guys, this is Jono Lance from the Queensland Reds and uh, you're tuning into the Running Rugby Podcast. So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back, guys. Another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast, and it's myself and Toby, and we're a man down today. Leo's, he's he's gone off into the wilderness. He's he's too depressed after that weekend. And I can understand why. I can understand yeah. why. Yeah. Do you know what I learnt last week, Toby? What, mate? <laughs> that Australia is really struggling at rugby. <laughs> I learnt that I can definitely not tell the future because last Thursday night I was at home I was thinking about the games on the weekend I was putting in like my final tips and margins and I got this feeling I was like nah they got this first I had this feeling I was like well maybe the Rebels are gonna almost like top the Crusaders and I was like um maybe not but I feel really good about the Tars this weekend I feel like they're gonna do it feel like they're gonna win oh how wrong I was so close well mate I felt the same way to be honest and that's the most disappointing thing I think we do still have hope that these teams can can really step it up and perform, whether it be against New Zealand rivals or South African rivals. We we still have, you know, that confidence um, and the memories of winning games consistently. But in the last year or so, it's you know it's been tapering off a bit. I haven't lost all hope, but yeah, something needs to change pretty quickly if we're going to have a team that's, you know, going to going to compete in the playoff series really. Well, that's that's our quick question today. Do you reckon there's going to be more than one team from Australia in the playoffs? Well, I'd like to think there'd be two. Um, it's whether I think the Rebels can get their season back on track. I'm pretty confident the Waratahs will be there as the, the leaders in the conference. And then I think it's between the Rebels and the Reds. Um, Brumbies could you know come back with a bit of a vengeance, but I think the way the Reds have been coming into form a little bit lately... He's been encouraging. Um, and I think the Rebels do still have that potential. But, yeah, five losses in a row is is not ideal. They had such a good start to the season, but it's just flipped on its head at the moment. Mm. So let's let's jump forward. And what was your favourite moment of this round? Yeah, mate, for me, the Jaguares, um, you know, they're perfect to a four out of four wins. Um, that's pretty impressive to go over to New Zealand and win two games. They won mm. two games here. And, yeah, I... To be honest, they're just kind of coming into form at the moment. Um, they've cut the errors out of their game. They just seem to have tightened up those those you know that discipline. No no loose penalties really. Yeah. And I think it may come down to um, Super Mario Ledesma coming in and and having a bit of an influence on the team and just getting them I think to focus on the right things because in in previous seasons they've they've struggled with their discipline. It's been a consistent issue. And it's really kind of, I guess, kept them out of certain games. But lately, particularly in the last two against the New Zealand sides, like they've just really timed it up. Yeah, their they, defense. It's just been, yeah, it's been really defense good. as well. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's important because we do we're not used to them playing a very erratic style, very loose, and they could be 
potent in attack and then, you know, give away stupid penalties in defense. And so it kind of was a to and fro thing now. And yeah, they're, they're on track. And I think the fact that they played so much together for the Pumas, um, yeah, it's, it's really coming into its own now. Definitely, definitely. It's an impressive to see because no South African has done it and with the Lions losing to the Reds last week no South Af- oh, and the Hurricanes this week, no South African team will do it. So they're the only team that's going to take away four wins from tours. Um, for me, though, it was a bit of a celebration for at least one Australian victory on the weekend. It wasn't in the Super Rugby. It was in well our first sort of taste of World Series Rugby with the force going up against... Uh, a Fijian sort of Fiji slash Fiji A sort of Drua side over in NIB Stadium on Friday night. And they took away the win. It was very nice to see. They had a massive crowd, sellout crowd over there in NIB Stadium. People were turning up and everyone pulling out their old sort of Force jerseys. And we saw some pretty good enterprising play from the Force. They got up three tries early. Um, bit of injury concern. They lost Peter Grant, their fly half. Uh, in in the sort of late first half with a concussion, um, but you know good signs from them, and they they've got a pretty entertain entertaining sort of schedule coming forward. So let's hope they can sort of keep putting this together. But big props for Twitter yeah. Forest. Yeah, mate. To be honest, the Force it was such a hit to them last year to lose that Super Rugby license, and for Twiggy Forest to get this competition together at such late notice and pull together, you know, quite a quite a good selection of opposition for the force players you know there are some guys there that are fringe super rugby guys and and that shows a little bit in the way that they played in this game but you know they got the win the crowd was behind them Twenty thousand, like the tars are struggling to get that at the moment um so it's something to be proud of and hopefully they can just continue to build on that week to week one game i can't wait to see i think it's during the june test window but when the western force come against come up against the um, Melbourne Rebels, and they'll have a lot of previous Force players coming back to Perth to play that game. It should be a really entertaining one. Yeah, it'll be good to see that that kind of intense... I guess it's a bit of a rivalry because they were the two teams under threat, um, and there are some guys that have hung around at the Force um, after a lot of those other guys have gone to the Rebels. So a few fringe players around there, and guys like Andrew Deegan, who used to be at the Waratahs, now playing fly-half for the Force. You know, there is there is going to be a bit of tension there, so it'll be an interesting game to watch. All right, let's get into the games. Match report, round twelve. So Friday night, our first game, Rebels coming against up against the top of the table Crusaders, and once again it was a bit of a they kept in there early. You know, halftime score ten to thirteen, Crusaders just on top, but they were keeping it tight, and then just. Falling away at the end of the game, massive second half blowout. Crusaders winning this one, fifty-five points to ten, their biggest victory on Australian soil in Super Rugby. Yeah, it was encouraging to see, you know, thirteen ten at halftime, keeping it close with the Crusaders. I mean, the Rebels at home, yes, but it was not a bad performance in the first half. But the second half was just a completely different story, and we keep talking about this. We need teams to be playing at 80 minutes or you're going to get carved up by these New Zealand sides. Um, you know, the, just some of their ruck work, the Rebels, was just sloppy. They were just really inaccurate, letting letting the Crusaders steal their attacking ball. Mm. Um, you know, those turnovers, you can't let the, the Crusaders have those kind of opportunities because they'll just dominate. Um, guys like Murphy still very strong. 
Um, but you started to see some of those errors creep into the game when they're in the red zone as well, um, which I think we'll talk about a bit later with the Tars being a problem where they're not capitalizing on those opportunities. It's a bit of a worry, and you could see how frustrated Vessels was. I feel like he's probably doesn't know exactly where to turn to next. Um, it's probably a good thing they've got the Brumbies coming up and, you know, you always get up for a local derby, but, you know, it's it's going to be a tough hole to dig themselves out of. Yes, they're still second in the conference, but, you know, having that five losses on the trot, that's, that's a big hit to your morale. Yeah, you really need to sort of try and look to turn it around. And they, they suffered another big sort of blow with Will Genier again getting injured this game, this time a medial ligament strain um, to his knee, and he's going to be out... Uh, at least up until the June test. Thankfully, it wasn't too severe, so he should be able to suit up in the the green and gold jersey but won't be able to help the Rebels out in these next sort of three weeks. Yeah, that's a massive blow as well. And Ruru, look, he does a good job as a a backup. I don't think he should be starting at super rugby level. He's a little bit too erratic for mine. Um, But, yeah, the Rebels have bigger problems than that, just in terms of a bit of soft defence there generally. They just look like they're not getting the, the go forward from... You know, Jack Jack Debrasini as well. Like, he's very lateral, like we talked about last mm. week, and he's just shoveling the ball on, and it's not doing them any favours. You often see Billy Meeks trying to create something after he's just been, you know, passed the ball by Debrasini, and then Debrasini kind of falls back. Um, looks like he almost wants it to go back to fullback at times. He's just kind of sitting back behind the play. And I think he really just needs to inject himself and get that mm. back line moving forward. So they have such good weapons on the outside, but they're just not getting, you know, they're not getting those opportunities going forward because Debrasini, the first guy, is just standing there, yeah, taking you know, a not running onto step. the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, and we talked about that as well with Hawera. Um, so this week coming up, Rebels, Brumbies, like they're both going to be, you know, at at risk of doing the same thing and and not using their outside weapons. So. Well, that's the it's, difference. That's the difference when you have a forward pack that's going forward. It makes them take that first step forward. So, Debrazini at the start of the year looked quite good because he had that forward pack sort of pushing forward, and he always was getting front football. He doesn't seem to be able to create mm. stuff without having that momentum himself. So, I think he's notably a passive guy as well, and he, as we've said before, he plays his best rugby when he's confident. I think at the moment he's lacking a bit of that confidence, feeling the pressure a bit. At- that central playmaker and, and maybe he feels like Maddox is gonna gonna get an opportunity at some stage soon. We did see at the end of the game there Maddox stepped into ten mm. within the last two, three minutes, but you know, had a t- terrible first touch there at ten, threw the ball to no one and, and the Crusaders scored in the eightieth minute. So mm. Yeah, it's 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 no you know, there's not a lot of encouraging stuff to take out of that game against the Crusaders. I think if they'd kept it relatively close, if it was 30 to 10 in the end, they would probably be a bit more buoyed by that performance. By, but letting in two tries in the last few minutes, like it, it just shows it you they're not you. fighting. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, Arch. I don't know if you picked up anything else in this game of note, but for me, it was just disappointing, and I'm I'm not enjoying watching the Rebels anymore. Like I've just come to that conclusion. Um, I had to watch this game on replay, and it was a real kind of. I don't know. I knew the result. Yeah, it was a struggle to to actually get motivated to watch this. Mm. So, you know, it's a real contrast to how I was feeling early in the season. Yeah, look, I 
I think you're right. Vessels is a little bit confused where to turn to from here. And he, look, he's he's tried to manage things with different lineup changes, and I think he's almost pushed that a little bit too far because he's every t- game we've seen different lineups, and some of them are caused by injury, yeah, but some of them are sort of just choice, and you're just seeing a little bit of yeah, a little bit of a lack of combinations and a lack of awareness of some people, and I think it's partly because people aren't quite settled in their positions. I mean, I think he doesn't. It doesn't give them a chance to mm, at the moment. Yeah. So, um, one one good thing to see though, Nathan Charles come come back over from Europe, come back to sign with the Rebels, and he got a bit of time early um, when Rangi had to come off for a head injury assessment, and then he spent some time on the flank at the end of the game as well. But he's looking pretty fit, looking pretty trim at the moment. Definitely good to see him yeah, back on Australian soil. Yeah, I think. It wouldn't be surprising to see him start against the Brumbies. Um, I think he does. He's he's a bit of a veteran now. He does look very light. I'm not sure if he's he's dropped too much weight, maybe for for Hooker in Super Rugby. But Rangi, I don't know. He's a bit better this week in terms of his lineouts. But I think the scrum's still struggling a bit um, for the Rebels, and they haven't found that that good type five combination mm. matt phillips now rotating in and out and you've got the props moving around everywhere so yeah two they've really got drops. to settle that lineup yeah i'd i'd like to see him start i'd like to see faulkner and um ainsley back in the front row so completely new front row for this week keep harling i think and coleman in the second row and I don't know what you do at six. I think Murphy and I think Fayango still played reasonably well. He was actually a bit of a nuisance for the Crusaders trying to slow down the ball a little bit in the ruck. So I think that's yeah. good to have him sort of out there. Um, I don't know what you yeah, do at six, sure. whether you do Cottrell or whether you give Lepetti a bit more of a chance. Because he did look a little bit I think bit Tamani. More. Yeah? Yeah. I think you do. And I, I think he does need a few games to get back to where he was. Um, he, he did have some strong carries in this game. Um, and it was was noticeable. We did three or four um, on the trot, mm. and Cottrell, yeah, like we've talked about, he's he's a real worker. Um, a bit of that Tom Cusack, Michael Wells role that um, we've seen. Kind of those guys that are just really really high work rates can get around the field. They don't probably suit any sort of position in the back row as such, but they're there and they do their job. Mm. Um, but I think someone like Tamani offers a lot more, and I think you're right. Colby deserves another chance. Um, we know Murphy's not going anywhere at number eight. He's really kind of carrying the ball and, and propping up that forward pack overall. Um, he just seems to pop up everywhere, and he's just really determined to make a mark on every game. Guys like Tamani really need to mirror those performances from Murphy. Exactly. What do you reckon is the time to give a bit of Maddox time at 10? You know we're going to have a change at nine. We're going to have Ruru in. Who who needs to learn how to feed a scrum, by the way? The amount of times I've seen him throw it into Rangi's foot or into the um, knee of the loose head, like, it's really annoying. Yeah. And those are the things with um, with Ruru that I just, yeah, it, it gets me kind of doubting him a little bit when he can't do the simple things right. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Maddox, I wanted to see this much earlier in the season. And I was kind of calling it for it when they did have that kind of run of three or four wins in a row at the start. I still thought that they should bring Maddox in. They didn't do that, and they've persevered with Debrasini. But perhaps it's the time to do it. I mean, the Brumbies are coming off a bye. They haven't been electric this season. But, you know, 
it's a game you really need to win. So do you make this change now? I just don't know. Like it's it's tough to know how Maddox is going to go under that pressure and, and running out there for 80 minutes. I mean, if you had Debrecini on the bench, I guess you could just bring him on, sorry, and shift Maddox out to one of the wings or fullback if you needed to. But it is a bit of a risk to, to throw him in the deep end like that. Well, at the moment, they don't really have a another fullback to put in because um, I don't think DHP is going to be back this week as well. So unless you're putting Hodge mm. back there, so it may be a straight swap between the two. Yeah. Or, or do you wait another week because yeah. they've got the Sunwolves the week after at home and that's a nice sort of entrance into the 10 jersey if you want something a bit nicer? I think perhaps you do wait. Maybe Maddox, if, if the Rebels get ahead against the Brumbies, maybe you do give him some time there and then in the Sunwolves you make the change 100% and start him there. But I feel like Vessels is not going to do that at the moment. I think... He'll probably stick with Debrasini. If they get beaten by the Brumbies, I think Maddox will definitely come in. I think no question, but it'll be interesting to see how they go against the Brumbies. I just can't pick it at this stage. Mm. And on the other side of the ball, the Crusaders, they welcome back to Richie Moonga in this game and had an immediate impact or a big cutout for that for their first try out to Tamani Valu. And look, they look a lot more threatening with him at 10. He links up really well yeah. with the forwards and with Crotty. Uh, I, think, I think the yeah. Crusaders are about to put their stamp on this competition yeah and it, i didn't think they had the ability to compete with the, the hurricanes without moanga um but him coming back and he, he is a class player and you saw that straight away he looked comfortable um a couple of his kicks were a bit off at the start but he's yeah he's just a class act mm. and a good young player for the all blacks they'll, they'll be very happy that he's back to fitness so i think the crusaders you know, rightly at the top of the the super, at the top of Super Rugby at the moment, I think the chain, the Canes, probably a little bit more of a, an erratic team. Um, the Crusaders are very very consistent, and and it'll be fascinating to see you know the Saders Canes match up when we get to the end of the season. Yeah, I was just checking ahead. It's three weeks away, Friday, um, on the twenty fifth of May, end of this month. Um, Crusaders, yeah, it's a big game. Crusaders at home to the hosting the Hurricanes. That'll be a massive game. Definitely put that one in the diary. Yeah, for sure. Next we have uh, out of Brookvale, Oval in Sydney. Uh, the Waratahs took on the Blues and we thought the streak might get broken here, but couldn't do it. It was a closely fought game and look, all the key factors there. Waratahs were playing well, playing positive rugby. They had the big crowd there, I think 18,000 cheering them on at Brookvale. Uh, you had this sort of well-publicized sort of match and look at a couple of errors and it just seemed like every time the Tars got into the 22, they were turning it over to the Blues and they just couldn't put together those last couple of phases that would have meant points on the board. But they lost this one 21 to 24 to the Blues. Yeah, and they had 62% of, of territory in this game. Like they were they were in the, the Blues half quite a lot. Um, and I actually, to the eye I was watching this game, I, I just couldn't understand how the Waratahs were behind. Um, you know, like they did make quite a few silly er- errors, um, but the Blues didn't look that threatening at, at really any point. I mean, they took their opportunities, and I think that was the difference. Hmm. Um, but I'm still pretty confident the Waratahs can bounce back from this. It's not a good look um, because we wanted the streak to end. We wanted the Waratahs to get back on top and... It was their opportunity to impress a, a local ground where they're going to be playing a lot more of these games next year with 
the refurbishment of the stadium. Um, but you could see that Israel Folau, like he was just so fired up for this game and there's been oh, a lot of controversy so around him. He looks so good. He was on. He was injecting himself everywhere. Mm. You know, taking kickoffs. It was it was pretty amazing. And you could see when he's on, he's probably you know top three players in the world. Yeah, yeah. If not sort of top one, he's just he's amazing what he can do in the air and just getting on the outside of people and stepping through and offloading. It was unlucky not to set up a Jake Gordon try early, which I think would have almost sort of changed a bit of the fortunes in this game if you just got them a little bit of extra points early um mm. i wanted to ask you though because we saw sort of 20 minutes into this game um cam clark trying to go over in the corner and he got high tackled by uh papali the number seven for the blues high tackle and he got the seven got carded and in my head i was like that's okay it's a card like two meters out from the line for a high tackle He's gonna go over. Sure, that's a penalty try, but they didn't give it. Did you think? Did you think that was a penalty try? Um, I actually didn't. I thought, you know, the explanation was pretty clear that if he'd made the tackle and it hadn't been high, he would have taken him out pretty comfortably. Um, so from my perspective, I thought it was fine. Like you can't just say, "Oh, the guy wasn't there," because that's not the test. I'm pretty sure it's. You know, would he have had an opportunity to score the try had not had the tackle not been high? I think I'm not so sure that he would have. You know, I think he would have got taken out pretty comfortably. Like it was Yako Piper, wasn't it? That, yeah, it was Yako. That was refereeing. Yeah. Um, I think that's the test. You don't just kind of remove the player from the the play if he's made a high tackle, do you? I thought if that hadn't happened. I thought the rule was if that happened, happened, you take that player out. If there's someone else that make, could make that tackle, then it's uh, out of question. But if you say, okay, he's done the wrong thing, so we take that person away, and if he would have gone over. Mm, I don't know. I think that might be more for the knockdown rule when you look outside them. Uh, okay, maybe uh, that's more what I'm thinking. And look at the other defenders. But you could, you might be right. Either way, I don't think it justified a penalty try. I was pretty happy with that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in talking about Cameron Clark, like that... He had a great game. He did. Seeing him chase down um, Ioani. I don't know. I like, did not think he had that pace. Yeah, particularly coming back from injury. And yeah. I haven't seen him run like that. Or maybe maybe in sevens. Because he was in mm. sevens a couple of years ago. Yeah, but that's right. You know, he's, you know he's a fit guy. And you know he's determined. But he just, yeah, he looked like he was really, really up for this game. And it was impressive to see. Because we have had a few guys cycle through that wing spot. And with Tan Kelly finding some form and consistency week to week, um, it's good to see someone like Cam Clark come in and really take that with two hands. And I don't think someone like Newsom or, or even Rona is going to take that jersey off him now. It's probably going to be either Fichetti or Rona at 13 um, is the on, only selection in that back line that's up for grabs at the moment. Yeah, and you're right. They, they looked good for a lot of this game. Um, the forwards... They looked a little bit better in the line-out and set-piece, but the Blues, that's not really their strong point. The biggest thing probably was just some of their type 5 being just too high into contact. Some of the props. Paddy Ryan at the end had that knock-on, which put a dagger into the soul. Yeah, look, Paddy Ryan, I know that he's a journeyman of the Waratahs, and I don't want to beat up on him too much, but we might need to actually have be having a look at you know the future um, guys like Shambek Levui. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe he's still injured. Um, but 
you see having someone like Harry Johnson Holmes who is still learning but has a lot of potential and I think having these opportunities on the bench has done him a lot of good and perhaps trying to find that reserve tight head that we can build upon for future years I think it's important to be giving them a bit of a head start on that and Paddy Ryan I think you know I applaud that his contribution to New South Wales rugby um, but at this point I'd like to see a young guy get an opportunity definitely I think and you've got to always be thinking about the future in this game because yeah it looks like Waratahs if they can put it together they can challenge but whether they're a title contender this year, you've got to be looking forward to next year and the year after at the moment. Yeah, and the Tars are in a position where they are, they could be a title contender. Like They're not at their best at the moment, but I, I do think they have potential to, to really threaten in the finals. Um, but, you know, silly errors like this from, from guys coming on late in games, Kills you know, it's going to cost you these important games. Mm whether it be, you know, to the Blues, who we, you know, really desperately wanted to beat. And perhaps that's why we couldn't close it out. We wanted it too much. Um, but, yeah, I, for me, I was I was pretty happy with the Waratahs overall, apart from those those silly errors. And they are, a lot of the time, unforced errors. Um, but apart from that, I, I was pretty pretty happy with their performance. So I'm, gonna, I'm looking for them to bounce back. And I, we'll talk about who we're going to tip for the coming week, at least. Um, I don't know if I can pick them against the Crusaders, but you might have other ideas, Arch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it'll obviously tough them heading back over to New Zealand and they're going back and forth every week This at the moment. Um, on the other side, looking at the Blues, I mean, they put together the solid performance. They got a few players back from injury. They had Kano and Augustine Pulu, and you see that does make a bit of a difference for them. Like, Pulu's just kicking out of the halfback role is, is very sort of solid and really good at putting sort of the um, opposition under pressure and just playing that bit more sensible, mature head um, game, especially when you have someone like Perifeta at 10 who's a little bit more inexperienced. And you can see, actually, that I just read before that Bryn Gatlin signed with Highlanders for next year, so Perifeta looks like someone they're probably mm. looking to build around in future years at least. That's the impression I would get from that signing. Um, I know that Limasup Wong is moving on, so the Highlanders obviously want someone to replace him. Um, and Bryn Gatlin's shown enough, I think, to to show that he's got a lot of potential as well. But the Blues look like they prefer Perifeta at this stage. And maybe that's off, off the back of, of being aware that, that Gatlin's going to move on. Um, but, yeah, Blues, look, I wasn't particularly impressed again by them, but they did enough, and they, they didn't make those errors that the Waratahs made. So they looked like they were playing a pretty conservative game and they kept things pretty quiet for most of the game, but they did enough. 24 points is enough to win a game in Super Rugby um, and they just defended well and the Waratahs couldn't close it out. So it was a bit disappointing, but like I said, the Waratahs, I think, have the stocks. They don't have too many injuries and I think they can they can challenge the Crusaders this coming week. Hopefully, and for the Blues, it's got a hard couple of weeks with the Hurricanes next week, and then they have the Crusaders, and then they have host two Australian teams, the Rebels and the Reds, later on um, in the month. So, few few hard games there, and hopefully a few more chances for Australia to take a couple of games off the Blues, but we'll see. Uh, let's look at the other games this weekend. The Chiefs versus the Hagiwaras on Friday evening, and 
We said it before, the Hags taking four out of four games on this tour. They won this one 23-19 and didn't let in a try until the 80th minute. And I, and I think they need a new name. Do you think the streaks earned them something new? Yep. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. 60% of the time, it works every time. That's right, with those four wins, 60% of the time, they win every time. That's right, the South American Sex Panthers, welcome to Super Rugby. (laughs) Oh, mate, pulling that one out. Anchorman's classic, love it. (laughs) Um, Haven't heard that for a few years. Um, Yeah, look, the Hags, mate. Sex Panthers. I wasn't... Oh, Sex Panthers. Look, I'll try and get it right. Um... I don't know. In this game, they're probably the least impressive performance for mine on their tour. Um, mm. But again, like the Blues, they just they got it done and scored enough points to win this game. The Chiefs looked a little bit off. Um, McKenzie still adjusting to playing ten, um, and the, the, the yeah, I don't know. The Chiefs looked just a little bit off in this game. Uh, I was surprised to see them lose this because I didn't think the the Jags could actually get four in a row, but they managed to do it and it's a, a pretty good achievement i haven't seen a, an australian team do that for a long time so props to them but yeah i don't know they're probably they're probably sitting pretty for the playoffs because of this tour now definitely and that's is four wins on the trot and then they get to head home where you know they're pretty strong but the biggest thing i took from this game is their defense has just taken a step up they forced the chiefs to take just multiple penalty kicks and just not allowing them to take away five or seven points when they got down to that end. And it just shows like how much of a change there's been, I think, under Ledesma in terms of staying power and just composure under those sort of pressure. And you don't see them making sort of silly errors or giving away dumb penalties. They're quite strong and they're quite... They're good at sort of looking to slow the ball down between some of sort of their bigger sort of tighter guys. Um... Ortega Desio has been playing really well the last couple of weeks and it's just such a bonus when you have people like Creevy coming on off the bench at the end of the game as well because they've been getting some good games out of their starting hooker now Montoya yeah and the Chiefs I wasn't sure whether they rested a couple of guys in this game um you had Nathan Harris on the bench and Brody Retallick on the bench hmm. um and they yeah I, I don't know they just looked a little bit off maybe they were underestimating the Aguaras, even though we, we'd seen them win three in a row. The Chiefs maybe thought that they'd come there and the streak would end. They'd be, they, they couldn't get four in a row. So it's it's very encouraging to see, you know, a foreign team go into New Zealand and do this. Um, we saw the Sharks do it in, in Auckland. We've seen the, the Aguaras do it in, in Auckland and now in, in Rotorua. So it's encouraging, I think, for the Australian teams to take something from that and maybe look at how the Haguaros played, um, emulate some of those performances and, and make sure they're cutting out those silly errors in their game mm. because then you can get close to these New Zealand teams even if you are playing across the ditch. Yeah, that's right. Um, one positive performance out of the Chiefs, definitely Charlie Knight. Uh, seems like he's going straight yeah. to strength and he... Well, I was unlucky that he didn't have a try sort of around that 60th minute, which may have changed the game. The small knock-on from Harris, I think, on the other side of the field. But, yeah, Nartai looks dangerous, and 
looks a good fit. I don't know whether 15 is the best sort of place for him, whether he needs to be a little bit closer in the centres or something, but definitely playing well. Yeah, it might actually help if you put him in at 12 because they've cycled quite a few guys in there um, to, to be with Anton Leonard-Brown. And then you've got that real support, veteran support around um, Damian McKenzie. Mm. So that might actually help him a lot. I don't know if they've got someone that can step straight into 15. I guess Marty McKenzie can do that, but probably is not as potent at the back as Charlie Nightai. But we know how much... Um, you know, Charlie Charlie Nartai's had quite a few problems with injuries and, and concussions and things like that, so it's good to see him back fighting fit. Um, next game, we have the Hurricanes took on the Lions, and Lions dropping two in a row now. Um, as expected, pretty much going into Wellington was always going to be a tough game, but they kept it reasonably close. Um, Lions scoring a late try to make it a nine-point game, so Hurricanes winning this 28-19. to Yeah, and Ben Lamb doing it again. Um, You can't stop the bloke. And to be honest, in this game, the Hurricanes didn't play the best football. Um, There was a lot of turnovers by them, and it probably kept the game closer than it should have been. I don't actually think the the Canes played that well, and they still scored 28 points pretty easily. Mm. Lions, they're not looking like they were... um, even back in South Africa, I think they play a lot better at home, and you're seeing that um, in terms of their intensity. They they they've had some injuries as well, so their their starting lineup um, is just yeah, it, it look, it's a shadow of its former self, I think. And I you know this is a nine point game, but I think it could have easily been a, a 20 30 point margin if the Canes had been re- been really on in this game. So not sure what the answer is for the Lions at the moment. They probably just need to get back home. Yeah, well, they still have one more game in this in this tour, having, heading down to Dunedin um, to face the Highlanders next week, which actually looking like it should be a reasonable sort of matchup between the Highlanders returning home, so they're off quite a bit of a travel schedule, but they're always tough down in Forsyth Bar. Yeah, I think it'll be a fairer matchup. Um, tough one to pick, I think, um, with the Highlanders coming back from South Africa and the Lions trying to end their tour on a good note, so it'll be... Be one to watch. Definitely. The other game, we head over to South Africa and the Stormers versus the Bulls out of Cape Town and the Stormers keeping their unbeaten home record this season, beating the Bulls 29-17. to And the Stormers looking very strong in this game. They started early and they started fast um, through some of their big forwards and Willemsar had another really good game, supported by some strong performances from Dylan Lades and SP Murray which is really good to see some of those guys taking a bit more of the playmaking sort of opportunities in this game, especially because Willems is going to be leaving, uh, I think, for the game next week. And I was worried about who they were going to pick into move into 10, but Lades has really been showing up the last couple of weeks, so I think he could definitely put him into 10. And Espinoray has been very up and down this season, but looks like he's sort of hitting his traps a little bit. And... I mean, it's it's just muddying the waters in that South African conference even more because we, we think about the Bulls coming up. We think they're playing well. I partly blame the fact they put on those horrendous yellow Brazilian jerseys again in this game, and that's that's just... Yeah. I don't know. They probably don't want to How can you play well in that jersey? Exactly. They're probably getting the glare off their own teammates so they don't want to look at each other and just no one sort of communicates. But, yeah, they just they just couldn't keep up with the Stormers in this game. Um and, yeah, as I said, drop another one. And between the Stormers, Bulls and Sharks, it's hard to know who's going to 
sort of come out and make a run for that sort of playoff spot because you've now got the Sex Panthers in second position, almost sort of locking that down. Yeah, mate, second to fifth, there's 24 points to 20. So there's four points difference there. Like, it's it's anyone's anyone's chance, I think, to make the finals from the South African conference, and the, the Lions have been struggling a bit. So that that gap could close again. There's only seven points between the Jaguars and the Lions now. So, mate, it's, it's interesting to see because in previous years we've seen at least, say, two of the South African teams really struggling. Um, but it, at this point, it's, it seems to be now the Australian conference where um, those teams are struggling to get wins outside the conference. Yeah, it's true. But that said, I was just thinking about this. The Australian teams really haven't dropped many games against South African opponents. We've had That's what, true. We've had the Waratahs have lost to um, the Lions, and they tied against mm. the Sharks. We've had the um, Reds lose to the Stormers in Cape Town. Has mm. anyone else... The Rebels, um, Rebels have lost to the Stormers as well, haven't they? Did the Brumbies beat the Sharks as well? I think, yeah, it hasn't It hasn't happened very often. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because I think the South African teams are playing at a higher level than perhaps they ever had before. Like, consistently across those four teams, they're playing some really entertaining rugby, um, running it a lot more. Like, it's a new way of playing. Mm. And the Lions have really led the way with that in the last three, four years. So now we're seeing the Sharks, Stormers and Bulls doing that as well. And it's paying dividends, particularly against the New Zealand teams. Um, and I don't know. You're right, though. The Australian teams are holding their own a little bit against South African opposition, which is encouraging at least because it's obviously not the case against the New Zealand teams. Mm. So you wonder if it is partly still that mindset and that just um, air of sort of intimidation around playing a New Zealand opponent. I mean, you mentioned yeah. them before, the Sharks um, versus the Highlanders is our last game, and they took it to the New Zealand team there. The Sharks starting really fast in this game, getting two early tries, um, and then just running away with it. The Highlanders never sort of looked like they got a hold of this game. Sharks winning this 38-12, to 12, a bit of a romp. Yeah, the Sharks are really coming into their own after that. Quite a big loss against the Bulls about three weeks ago or so. Since then, they beat the the Stormers, and and now they've been able to take out the Highlanders, who, you know, got away with a win last week, um, but they couldn't do it. Like the Sharks just were so, so intense in this game; they were just offloading everywhere, um, and yeah, looked really strong. They've got so much talent across that team, and young talent as well, um, and a lot of their fours, the Dupree brothers, just can, you know, like they can they can play like you know, inside centres. They just seem to be able to get around the field really quickly. Mm. They've got some, some good skills. And the Sharks' threats come from everywhere and really entertaining to watch, actually. The Highlanders didn't look kind of on at all for this no. game. No, um, Which was a shame because I actually I thought that they could get through this one um, and end a pretty, pretty good tour with two out of two, but not the case. The Sharks just piled on the points. Uh, look, I think the way... It's panned out, and the way performances have panned out, this is the right type of selection for this game. That's right, we're back into Wallaby Watch, and this week we're finally into the backs, and probably two positions between halfback and fly half that have been pretty locked down in the Wallabies of the last few years, ever since the last World Cup. Um, but Toby, who, who do you have starting in your Wallaby team? 
Well, I think, yeah, it's it's hard to go away from Will Genia, provided he's fit. If he's not there, I'll probably take Jake Gordon. Um, I know Phipps is coming back a little bit into form, but I'd actually like to see Gordon with his you know, ability to run the ball, um, which is similar to Genia, I guess, in some ways. But Jake Gordon, you could argue perhaps his running game's even a little bit more potent than Genia's. Mm. Um, so I'd like to see Gordon at least on the bench. Um, but Willie being out for two, three weeks with an MCL strain, that just opens the door a little bit for Jake Gordon. So, you know, provided he can keep Phipps out of that starting spot at the Waratahs, um, you could see him starting there in, in June. I wouldn't be upset at all to have Jake Gordon starting um, with Nard. I think they've obviously got a good sort of combination going at the moment. And you're right, he's an attacking threat and he will look to be that sort of final man for waiting for that last offload and getting those tries as you've seen him do for the Waratahs all season. Mm, I don't think he has too many weaknesses to his game either. It's just where the checker goes and says, okay, this is a you know a very strong island team. We need some guys with experience. We can't just be, be chucking in you guys straight away. Um, so maybe he does go back to, to Phipps and Foley, that combination if, if Genia is not there. But I think Jake Gordon will definitely feature somewhere. Yeah, okay. So Jake Gordon, Will Genia, and you think Nick Phipps. I'm, yeah, those would be my three. I still want to see a little bit more from Nick Phipps. At the moment, I still have power because I want to make sure we are developing um, some people through. But I think it's very sort of either or all of those guys um, at the moment. But what about, it gets mm. a bit murky when you look at backups for Bernard. Who are you going to put in after, who's your second line 10 really? Yeah, I was considering this, and this is, I think I brought it up a couple of weeks ago. If Bernard Foley went down, we'd be in some big trouble because guys like in the past, guys like Matt Tamua would be there to step in, Lilia Fano a little bit as well, um, even Matt Gitto. But I think, you know, KB would probably start if Bernard Foley went down um, at 10. But I think you'd still got to be looking at guys like John O'Lance. Um, I think he still is a chance to feature in this test series if if we want someone that's a, a full-time backup there. You know, KB plays at 12 predominantly now. Um, it's whether you want a more of a veteran guy at number 10 that can come in um, off the bench. So I don't know if they'll, de- they'll you know, dedicate that spot away at 22, say, on the bench to someone oh. like John Lance. They might just go with a, with a halfback and then a a wider backline player or a utility back player. Um, but yeah, it's it's very thin on the ground, which is a bit of a worry. Yeah, I think, and you're right, like I know you want these experienced players to come in, but I think looking at the stocks we have in Super Rugby, you don't have those experienced players to pick. You're right, Tamua's gone, Leliafano is not in a stage where you can pick him, and then you're going through the other teams. Huerart uh, is not eligible, um, Debrezini you're not going to pick him. You're really looking at some of these young guys, whether you're looking at Hamish Stewart to give him a bit of experience, whether you're putting Jack Maddox back in a role, knowing that he can come on at fullback or on the wing if you're looking for a bit of a utility back as well. Yeah, Maddox is one to watch. Um, I think he does need... It's probably another string to his bow if he gets some time at 10 for the Rebels and maybe then check is comfortable at, at using him as a winger, fullback, slash, you know, fly half utility back mm. and then he could take that number 23 jersey because he does provide a, 
a fair bit of threat around the field. He's not just a playmaker. Um, so could easily see him slotting in there. Otherwise, like you say, Hamish Stewart is probably the next best option. And from what I've seen of him, he's, he's been pretty pretty impressive so far. And he's a physical guy that can defend in the front line. I just wonder whether Checker has in the back of his mind to, to bring Quade Cooper into the squad, even though he's only been playing club football. Um, what do you think? Do you think um, Czech would kind of have Quaid there in his back pocket if needed? Oh, that's a big dark horse in this race. But, I mean, we know could that... See it. Yeah, could I could see Yeah, I could see him doing it. He's, he's, he's one prone to be bringing these sort of people back into squads to, you know, shore up and give a bit of um, backup to when he doesn't have the experience off the bench. We've seen him bring people back from Europe just for this same sort of cause. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that's, I don't know. A, that's a pretty good call, really. And I've seen Genia's come out sort of in the last week and being like he'd love to play with Quaid again and talking about him, whether he would come to Melbourne and stuff in sort of the future. So, look, you'd have the backing yeah. of at least a couple of players if you're your, your ideal starting nine and you know they can play well together. Yeah, and let's remember who made this decision with Quaid. It, it wasn't Checker, it was Brad Thorne. And maybe Checker is on board with it. Um, I don't know. I could imagine that perhaps he wants Quaid to be playing in one of those Super Rugby teams, so that he does have, you know, a guy that has been backing up Bernard Foley for a number of years now, um, has that match fitness and is playing at that high high level. Because at club football, he'd be running around, you know, with a bunch of semi-professional guys, mm. um, and he wouldn't be getting, you know, those true tests week to week of that Super Rugby offers. So. It may be a bit of a risk bringing in Quaid, but I could see Checker doing something a little bit, you know, left of centre just because he likes to challenge guys and he, he likes to see, you know, guys kind of get on with it. And I think that's what Quaid's done. Like, he hasn't spoken up and complained and shot his mouth off or gone on Twitter. Mm. Um, he's just got on with it. And he's saying, no, I'm loving life. I'm, I'm playing club football. You know, I'm, I'm loving my rugby at the moment and I'm, you know, looking forward to my next opportunity. And that's the kind of stuff that, that Checker he appreciates, that. Yeah. I think. He, yeah, he respects that. So mm. that's why I think Quaid still has an opportunity here to be in the wider squad, whether he's on the bench. I'm not sure. That might be a bridge too far at the moment. But the broader squad, you could see it happening, I think. Yeah, I actually really like that take. And it would absolutely force, force himself back into a Super Rugby contract, more or less, if he gets that and he gets an opportunity and puts his hand up playing mm. for Australia, you, you yeah. then have teams like like the Brumbies, like the Rebels, and be like, well, we're going to be stupid not to extend this guy an offer if the Reds aren't going to do it. Yeah, and I, I you know, I, I like the fact that Will's encouraging him. Whether he would go to the Rebels, I don't necessarily think he would fit there that well. I think creatively the Brumbies could use someone like him um, and then... You play Huera or Lulafano at 12 alongside him. Mm. Um, don't know if it'll happen this year, but, you know, he is a talent. You can't deny that. He is a polarising player, um, but it may be just a bit of a waste for him just to shoot off to Europe and you never really see him again. So, you know, let's not close the door on him completely. I know Brad Thorne's made his decision, but this, this Wallaby season could maybe get a few more people back on board with Quade Cooper. 
Let's look round 13, and we're back to seven games this week. We've had a few games with three teams on by, but only the Haguaros this team. As they head back to South America, they get a bit of a week off. Um, and we'll start the week in the Blues coming up against the Hurricanes at Eden Park in Auckland on Friday afternoon. Yeah, I think the Blues, look, they got the win, win against the Tars in Sydney, and that, that'll you know encourage them a little bit, but the Hurricanes... You know, I think did it pretty easily against Lions, and the Blues aren't the team that the Lions are. So I think the Canes will come into Eden Park and, and take care of the Blues and, and show them, you know, the path to some good running rugby and and knowing when to chance their arms. So be still, an, I think, an entertaining game, but the Canes should get plenty of points in this one. Yeah, definitely entertaining, and I can see you're right. I can see a lot of points getting scored in this one, both teams trying to throw it around and play some entertaining rugby and hopefully we get a bit of a good crowd into Eden Park to try and support the Blues but definitely Hurricanes for me by I'd say probably 18 to 19 points in this game. Next game we have the Sunwolves hosting the Reds after two teams that were on by last week and that's up in Tokyo once again in Prince Chichibu. Are they I don't think they're playing any games in Singapore this year are they? Yeah I haven't noticed that at all actually it's it's interesting because they were they were trying to to grow that market. Mm. Um, it's it's whether they've gone away with gone away from it, just because of the increased travel for the Sunwolves. But mm. yeah, I haven't. They have definitely haven't played a game there yet this year. So um, we'll have to keep an eye out for that one. Yeah, maybe um, in the lead up to the World Cup, they're just trying to get the support going at home. Yeah, that would make sense as well. And I don't really see the logic necessarily with playing in Singapore as well. Um, the Sunwolves travel enough and. To be going, I don't know how many hours it'd be, maybe three, four hours south. It's not going to help their cause. So I think it's, I'm happy they're playing at Chichibu. Um, mate, this is a trap game for the Reds. What do you think? Look, we were loving the Reds um, versus the Lions coming off that big win. And yeah, you're right. If they If they don't come out here and play strongly and do the same thing, dominating the forwards early, the Sunwolves, they keep showing it that they will stand up to teams early in games, especially. And you don't want to suffer early points because they will put them on you. They will run the ball from anywhere on the field. They will throw those 50-50 passes. And if things start to come off, they are a dangerous team. They'll see someone like the Reds as, as a team that they could potentially beat, an interconference rival. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Reds, I really hope, don't go over there and, and enjoy, you know, don't enjoy themselves too much off the field because this is a game that can get you. Um, the the Sunwolves have showed they're they're not you know they're not an easy beat team like they were the last few years since they've been introduced into Super Rugby. They're coming into form. Reds have got to be switched on here, and I think, like you say, Arch, they they need to lead with that physicality like they did against the Lions and and really muscle up because I think once they do that, they set the platform for their backline. Um, I think they could score 30-plus points in this game and, and keep that momentum going. Yeah, so try I'm and, taking the Reds. Try and build up that Reds, uh, their points differential. And, yeah, I think as long yeah. as they keep Taniella out of karaoke um, down in Rapongi, <laughs> I think they'll I think they'll be all right. But hopefully uh, we see Lance in back in this game. Um, I want to see him in the 15 jumper with Hamish Stewart giving another shot at 10. Yeah, I agree. And let's hope they do that because... Toa's been okay back there, but I think Stewart showed last or two weeks ago that he did have the talent to play at 10, um, and he was ready. 
Um, we know John Lance is going offshore at the end of this season. Um, and yeah, I think putting him back at 15 to support Hamish Stewart um, would be a good move. I'm, I'm eager to see whether they could bring back Tuttle at some point. Um, ben Lucas hasn't impressed me too much. Um, he's a little better against the Lions, but I would like to see that Tuttle um, and Hamish Stewart combination mm. really putting down some roots there in Queensland. Yeah, and Tuttle offers a bit more of a kicking game as well um, for that back line. Um, yeah, that, exactly. That kicks off the sort of one of five games we have on the Saturday afternoon, um, that at 1.05pm, uh, and then we head over to Christchurch for an early afternoon game and the Crusaders hosting the Waratahs, and it's going to be a tough one for the Tars coming off that loss to the bottom team in the New Zealand Conference, only to head into the into the castle, take on the Crusaders. Mm, yeah, it's made it. I can't can't pick the Tars here, and if they're playing in Sydney, I'd, I'd give them a bit of a chance, and I think they'll be particularly fired up because they, you know, they they should have won that game against the Blues. I think going over to Christchurch, the Crusaders are just so hard to beat at home. Um, I'm not sure exactly what their strategy will be, um, but I think sticking with that mobile back row with Miller, Hooper and um, Wells is probably working for them at the moment. Jed Holloway just hasn't shown enough, I think, off the bench for him to be put in the starting lineup this stage. Um, but, yeah, the Type 5 need to need to muscle up against a pretty experienced Crusaders Type 5. Um, yeah, I don't know. Their, their back line have lots of talent, the Tars, but if their forwards can't get on the front foot, they're going to have no chance. Yeah, that's right. But, I don't know, I think the key in the shutting down the Crusaders is still in that forward pack. Their, their backs do have some talent, but as we keep saying, it's all off the base of that really strong um, set piece and strong going forward at the ruck. So if you, if you nullify Tafua, if you nullify White, Whitelock in this game, um, and take take a little bit of sort of momentum away from them. I think they are susceptible. I reckon this is almost a trap game for the Satyrs. I think they've come off and they'll probably be feeling good against that big win against the Rebels. They've done their travel um, and back at home. I reckon they might take a little bit easy and the Tars will be fired up after losing that game. I, I actually think the Tars are a chance in this one. I reckon they could steal one. And then third game in this Saturday afternoon sort of lineup, the Highlanders host the Lions and the Lions last of these overseas tours and and the Highlanders returning home from um, South Africa and they looked a bit off sorts last week while the Lions, they're going to be roaring for a win this week to finish off their tour strong. Yeah, to be honest, so I picked the Lions initially, um, but having watched that game, I just think the Highlanders will come back and be looking to, to really match up against, you know, the top Salvarian team. The The problem is that I always tend to think, yep, they're travelling back, they're going to struggle. And this seems to be when teams step up when they get home, um, particularly when they're coming off a loss. Um, whereas the Lions have had a disappointing tour. I know they're, they're looking to, to correct that. But for me, I think the Highlanders are a better team at the moment. The Lions... Some of the players they've been selecting, they just don't look like the Lions of old. Um, they're not playing with that energy that they, they used to play with. Um, and I think the Highlanders, particularly in the back line, will be able to match them and, and score plenty of points. Yeah, I don't know if the Lions really have put out their strongest team since about round one or two. They just haven't seemed to... Like 
almost like the Rebels. They haven't seemed to have a lot of that consistency apart from a few of those sort of key positions with Yanksies and Kutsi in the back line and Marks and um, Mostert as well. So you wonder if they are going to be able to put things together. I know they're strong at home and I think they're a team that plays with passion and their coach is going to get them very riled up and I can see them coming out and if they start strong... Um, on a bit of a jet-lagged Highlanders team, I think the Lions can actually pull this one out. Yeah, well, maybe if they if they sit guys like Combrink, who just looks completely out of shape, um, bring in Mahuza, maybe, I think, maybe bring in Jans van Rensburg, your favourite at 12. Jans van Rensburg. Um, yeah, he, mate, what a legend. He's <laughs> such a big unit. He's a fridge. Um, but he's a fridge. But Nick Groom is pretty serviceable at nine. It's where you play Quagga Smith. Um, guys like Schumann just seemed a bit undersized when you're playing with Quagga Smith. I think Ori comes back in, Daimani, and definitely Dreyer at Tidehead. If they can do that, I think they'll have a chance. Um, but yeah, I still, I'm still going to take the Highlanders. I, I have a feeling the Highlanders will be very disappointed with their last performance, and they'll, they'll be fired up back at home. And I don't think the jet lag will be too much of a factor. Um, I don't think it has been in other games, so I'm happy to take the Highlanders here, and hopefully, you know, we can send the Lions back packing to South Africa without too many wins under their belt. Mm. I mean, that would be pretty big if they left that tour with only one win out of four games. That really sort of hurts their hope of securing sort of that top of top of the competition. They'd be hoping to try and come in that top one or two places, but definitely it takes yeah. a blow. Um, just just before we move on to the Brumbies and Rebels, looks like the Blues have actually announced their starting lineup with Sonny Bill returning back to the centres and Tuanga Farsi returning to the front row and means they get Rico back onto the wing, keeping Matt Duffy at fullback and Caleb Clark on that other wing. Does that change your view at all of how they're going to shape up in that game versus the Hurricanes? I like that team a lot more, but it's it's not going to change my tip by any means. Um, the Blues should be, I think, competitive in this game. I reckon it'll probably be a margin of around that 10-point mark. I think that bringing in Sonny Bill, Pulu's back, um, playing Rico in his proper position um, with a bit more space is really going to help them. Whether their forwards can match up against the Canes pack who play so well together, um, it's going to be a tough, tough ask. But like I said, I think it'll probably be closer. That, that lineup's definitely an improved one for me. Yeah, I think you're definitely right. But, yeah, I think the Hurricanes will still have the chops on them. Um, let's jump back into what we were talking about in the Brumbies versus the Rebels, another uh, Australian derby. And the Brumbies coming off that bye and the Rebels looking to get their season back on track. But that's from in Canberra at GIO Stadium. And the Brumbies will be looking to take one back after losing to the Rebels earlier this year. Yeah, another tough pick here. It's... um. Is it really a tough you know, pick? I put, it is a tough pick. I, the Brumbies, the way they played a couple of weeks ago um, with a bit more intensity and their forward pack really leading the way. Um, if they do that against the Rebels, I, I do give them a pretty strong chance. And I think the bookies in this one perhaps are favouring the Brumbies at home. The Rebels, if they can just, I don't know, without getting it, it's going to be really tough for them to, to get on top of the Brumbies. I do still have faith in this team. I think they do have enough players, particularly in that back line, if they can get them firing. Um, whether they make the change at 10 or not, I think the Rebels can win this very narrowly. Um, 
Brumbies are going to be fired up though and, and well rested. So it's going to be an interesting game. Hopefully it doesn't, you know, it's not too much of a grind fest and they do throw the ball around. Yeah, geez, I was just looking at those odds. You're right. The Brumbies are favourite at dollar fifty versus Rebels at two sixty. God, I'm gonna. Yeah, I think good money for the Rebels here. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, like we said, Genia is a big factor. We have to remember that. Um, but Ruru is, you know, he is a serviceable He's... number nine. He he does he if as long as he just doesn't do anything too crazy. If he just gets to the rock, you know, provides quick clean ball, um, you know. There's there's not too much to go and go wrong apart from say him feeding the scrum into hopefully it'll be Nathan Charles this week that he's feeding the ball into rather than Rangi but we'll see how the Rebels team shapes up it's they've just got so many players they can pick from mm. and like we've said before I think that's that's a problem for Vessels yeah no I I think the Rebels should be able to dispose of the Brumbies without too much um too much trouble I think they they will still be able to get on top of their forward pack and. You'll line the Rebels' back line up versus the Brumbies' back line, and you're going to take the Rebels pretty much, um, what, six out of the seven matchups in that back line pretty much. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think the Fords is where it's going to be won, though, um, and the Brumbies do have a, a stronger type five, um, and their back row, again, I don't, I don't think... Is Pocock still out for this game? I'm not too sure, but... Um, I think he's questionable. I'd... I'd I don't think he's back for it, um, though yeah. Pocock surprised me in the past with how quickly he can recover from some of this stuff. I think they'd be, yeah. they'd be silly to rush him back um, versus the Rebels with, well, hopefully Checker and Larkham in the ear of um, Dan McKellar to be like, no, 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 we need him fit for June. Yeah, I'm sure he won't be pushing it too much. Um, I don't think Rob Valentini's necessarily back either. I know he's been named in the, I think, under-20s um, Australian squad. Um, but there was some chat that he might be back on the bench this week or something, which would be good to see um, because that. their back rows, yeah, their back row's been a little bit light in terms of depth, particularly with Pocock out as well, um, guys like McCaffrey missing. Um, so you probably see Cusack in there, nice Arani and someone else um, rounding out that, that back row. Oh. The Brumbies type five is is strong when they're on their game they're they're a good good tight five so um yeah it'd be interesting to see if the rebels can actually muscle up this week yeah i believe they will rebels they're going to get their season back on track snap that losing streak and put together a few wins they've got the brumbies then the sunwolves back at home they're gonna they're gonna put together a couple of wins get the confidence back and make the playoffs that's what i reckon um stormers versus the chiefs 11 p.m. on Saturday night, and Chiefs finally starting that um, South African sort of tour, and they're the last team I think to head over and do this. So, a bit tough for them after losing to the Haggiwaras. They they are pretty solidified in that fourth spot in the New Zealand Conference. And do you think they're going to be able to take one off the Stormers who haven't lost dropped a game at home all season? Yeah, it's notoriously hard to win in Cape Town, um, even though you don't have the altitude factor. Um, it is just a, a pretty raucous crowd. And, um, yeah, as you say, the Stormers haven't dropped one there at, at home this season. So Chiefs will have their work cut out for them. I think the fact that Willems is out for the Stormers will be a big factor. I think the fact that the Chiefs didn't play their best football against the Jags um, will always also play into it. Um I'm going to take the Chiefs here. I think that they do have enough across their their team to 
to get on top of a Stormers team that will now be without their central playmaker. I think if Willemsa was playing this game, I probably would have taken the Stormers. But for for me, I think it'll be the Chiefs by maybe five points or something like that. Yeah, I, I don't think that the Chiefs will be able to do that straight off that travel. Um, I'm backing the history and the Stormers at home. As you said, too hard to beat at Newlands. I reckon the Stormers will take this. Um, I think they'll look to play it in tight, shut down a little bit of that expansive sort of backline the Chiefs have. Um, try and limit Damian McKenzie's sort of involvement and touch on this game. Uh, I think Stormers will take this. And final round of the game, the another South African derby, and these have just been great, entertaining games this whole season, but the Bulls hosting the Sharks in Pretoria. Um, we know the Bulls, they took a big win against the Sharks a few weeks ago. Um, do you think they can repeat that performance coming home or will the Sharks smell a bit of blood in the water after the Bulls lost that week um, versus I think, the Storms? Yeah. I think they will actually and I think they probably would have learnt from that match a few a few weeks ago. Um, the Sharks really look like they're coming into form whereas the Bulls um, are falling off a little bit um, after losing to the Highlanders um, and then the Stormers last week. So I think the Sharks, you know, in terms of a lineup, if you look at the lineup, the Sharks have a lot more notable players, um, and I think it's just taken a little bit of bit of time for the Sharks to gel as a unit. There's been some young guys come into that team, combined with guys that have been around for a while. So, I think if Beast Matawera is in there, um, with the amount of talent the Sharks have in their backline and some of their big loose forwards that can move around and just you know offload left, right, and centre, I think the Sharks will be too potent for the Bulls um, but you know at Loftus anything can happen so again I think this is going to be a tight game yeah for me I think the Bulls will actually bounce back a little bit they've shown that they can actually um, they can beat the Sharks and shut them down and they have enough sort of muscle to take them on in the forwards and shut down a few of those Dupree brothers um, it'll be an entertaining game um, I think I'll have to um, stay up late and watch this one really um, because it will be very exciting to see who t- who takes this because it's going to really pave the way to who's going to be able to make the finals. Yeah, and I think, look, we're used to really bashing the, the South African matchups, and, you know, it is an ideal in, in the time zone that it is. Um, but to be honest, these are games that if you're a rugby fan, you should be watching. Um, whether you watch it on replay, I mean, it doesn't matter. You can wake up on Sunday morning and watch it. Um, but the, the way these South African teams are playing now, um, just super entertaining football. And I don't think we should write them off. I know that there's always a lot of chat about um, South Africa leaving Super Rugby. And we had it again this week Yeah. Um, with with some of the, the press saying that, look, they're going to go to Europe. They're going to follow the Cheetahs and the, the Kings. And they're going to go up and play in the Pro 14. Um, Sanzar shut that down pretty quickly. Um, you don't really know who to believe here. I mean, I think that the idea was to have four teams, four, four Savrian teams in each kind of hemisphere um, just to really bolster South African rugby overall. Whether they can pull that off, I think they don't probably have the depth to, to support eight professional teams across two competitions, but I think that's the goal in their eyes. Um, you saw the Cheetahs do pretty well in the Pro 14 this year. Um, the Kings, not so much. They were down the bottom of the competition. So to to be arguing that you should have another you know, two or three teams 
um, come into the competitions, at least say two in the Northern Hemisphere, um, I think it's a big ask at this stage. But, mate, you just got to keep an eye on this because Super Rugby is just so liquid in the way that it kind of moves from year to year. You just don't know where teams are going to drop in and out. Um, and that's probably part of the problem with the competition at the moment. Um, you just don't know where it's going to go next. And it'd be nice to get some certainty around that. I know that the, the broadcast still obviously locks um, the format in, I think, until 2020. Yeah, that's But right. after that, yeah, it's, it's a little bit hard to know what they're going to do. So I don't, I don't want South Africa to leave Super Rugby, um, despite the time zone issues. I think that they offer a lot. And I think it really... Um, keeps that that rivalry strong for the rugby championship. So I'm I'm happy to ha- have happy to have them there. And you know I think the way they're playing now, there's a lot more um, entertaining football being played, and um, it's a lot more attacking. So gone are the days of just South African teams kicking the ball away and and just taking the penalty shot because at the moment they're just going for the tries at all times. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think. There's just too much sort of... I don't know if it's just the the decade that we're in where everyone wants the newest, the best, and they keep wanting to change to satisfy sort of the consumer. I think what they've put together this year... Look, I was a bit hesitant when they dropped out the force last year, but I think you've put together a really strong position, uh, a strong competition this year, and there are very few sort of non-entertaining games. Um I'm, I'm yeah, really happy. I want, I, I want them to lock this lock this down for another sort of five, six years. I think that's the way you do it. And you give some the consumer, the fans, a bit of stability. And that's what they have when they go and look at the AFL or they go look at the NRL. They have that stability and they know their team's going to be there for five years. They know they're going to have the chance to build up these rivalries. And it's not going to be like, oh... Next year, oh, South Africa's gone out of the competition. Suddenly we're adding like a USA team in and it's just completely different sort of um, yeah, different landscape. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. You, yeah, you need, to, you need to build a fan base and then you need to add to the competition maybe slowly. I think there was an issue with going to 18 teams. We've seen that being um, solved, I think, with the, the force leaving the competition and also the Cheaters and the Kings. I think 15 is a good number at this stage. I'm not ruling out further expansion, you know, in, you know, like you said, five, six years time, who knows? Um, there could be an, an American team coming in. There could be another Asian team. But at this stage, the competition is pretty competitive. If you remove the Sunwolves from that equation, you know, most games are pretty competitive. And even, even now, the Sunwolves are stepping it up a little bit, even though they haven't got a win. Mm. Um, you've seen the Jags doing a lot better um, and I think it just takes time but we can't be chopping and changing all the time this competition because you're going to lose people you've got to you've got to con- keep the consumer happy and, and not confuse them all the time so um, yeah let's hope that Savory sticks around for a while while to come yeah hopefully hopefully Leo's must have just found um, some cell reception off in the wasteland because he sent us through some of his picks um Looks like he's pretty much exactly the same as you. He's taken the Hurricanes, Reds, Crusaders, Highlanders. He's picking the Brumbies against the Rebels, though. So I think the heat must have got to him wherever he is. He must be out of a bit of water because that's definitely definitely a wrong pick. Um, but other than that, he's picking the Chiefs and the Sharks in those last two games, mirroring your image, uh, Toby. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, um, Leo, I'm sure he'll be back next week, but... Um... 
you know, he's top of the tipping, so you can't bag him too much, Arch. But, um, you know, we've missed him this week and we'll, we'll welcome him back next week. That's it. Get the full compliment of the Hughes boys back, back behind the microphone. That's all from us this week, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in once again. Um, give us a shout out. Follow us or comment us on Instagram or Facebook. We post a lot of extra news and the lineups and results through there at Running Rugby Podcast. Uh, keep checking that out, guys. Or send us in some mail at runningrugbypodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments on what, what's been going on. As always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and most other podcasting sites such as Stitcher or Pocket Casts. Uh, thanks again, guys. From me and Toby, have a good weekend. Keep on running.